Stillman, start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Jim Paris here with you. We are live on Sunday nights. And remember, the website is ChristianMoney.com. ChristianMoney.com. All of the places you can listen to the show all of the download locations, all of the live streaming locations, including all of the video locations, is available at jimparisradio.com, jimparisradio.com. It's funny because a lot of people that watch me on the video do not know that there is an audio version and vice versa. So check that out if you're somebody that uh, spends a lot of time in your car. Maybe you want to get that uh, podcast download if you're not able to watch the entire video of the broadcast each week. All right, a lot going on tonight in our guest segment. Joseph Marino is here. He is a syndenologist, which what that means, that's a fancy term for an expert on the Shroud of Turin. And this is just so, so fascinating to me, uh, this artifact. Could this have been? the burial cloth of Jesus Christ. It is so fascinating in so many ways. And even people that are not Christians are studying the Shroud of Turin. And there are so many unique things about this artifact. It may, in fact, be one of the most valuable pieces uh, in the world in terms of archaeology. Uh, it's just just incredible. And there's some breakthrough news that has happened. We're going to get into all that and also kind of give you a an overview shroud of Turin for dummies, if you will, as we start that segment uh, at 930 tonight, because I know not everybody is super familiar with the shroud of Turin. So we will give you a little bit of a, an update on that, an overview, and then we'll get into the, the more recent news and developments. And this is uh, constantly being studied by scientists. Again, Christians and non-Christians as well. Just so many people interested in the Shroud of Turin. Wow, well, it has been freezing. And I'm not exaggerating. That's not hyperbole. It literally was 31 degrees last night when I pulled into my driveway about 11 o'clock last night. And uh, I had a great night, though. Um, it was uh, a, a gig with the with the band that I play with. Now, I'm with two bands now. I, I am with an 18-piece big band, traditional Glenn Miller type big band. But out of that big band, they've now formed an eight piece smaller group. And that's the group that played last night. And what's so fun about this is we're playing all of the, uh, all of the charts from, you know, like the sixties and the seventies, a lot of Chicago tunes. And I love those horn licks and horn riffs that are so recognizable. And uh, of course, as a trumpet player, who wouldn't love to uh, sit down and play the Chicago charts? These are the actual, original keys, original charts from groups like Chicago that we are getting to play. So we did this last night 
at a beautiful venue in Ormond Beach. Now, I've driven by this many times, but I was never in there until last night. It is called the Anderson Price Building. And what it is, it's this historic home that is right there on the Intracoastal Waterway. And it's a venue now. People have their weddings there. Last night, it was a special gathering of the people that are involved with the Halifax Yacht Club. I believe it was their 100th or their 125th anniversary, something significant like that. And they had a beautiful dinner. Uh, They had one of the top chefs in the area, Chef Papa, uh, provided this beautiful dinner. And as a member of the band, we got dinner. We got paid. It was a really beautiful night. But I have to tell you one odd thing about this building. So I want I came in through the back entrance when I, which is what you always do and when I was on the road as a musician you always came in through the back door. So a lot of times you never even saw the lobby of the places you were playing in but I wandered out during one of the breaks into the lobby and I have to tell you that this lobby looked just like the lobby that opening segment of Disney's Haunted House. You know, the room you go in if you've been to the haunted house at Disney and then the room stretches and they tell you, you know, hello, I'm your host, your ghost host. And they have that evil laugh and all that. This lobby looked just like that. I mean, it almost had the same wallpaper, I think. And it had these really creepy pictures on the wall, too, that looked just like that. And man, oh, man, you almost wonder if Disney had not modeled their haunted mansion after the lobby in this uh this anderson price uh building now of course i'm not uh taking away from the beauty of it a beautiful historic home and i'm sure it would be a wonderful venue but i wouldn't want to be there in the middle of the night i'll just say that there's a lot of places like that right you go to a museum and you think it would be creepy to be here by yourself in the middle of the night i I get that same weird feeling we rehearse our, our band rehearses at a catholic church in there in the school portion of the Catholic church. But I've been a couple of times where I'm the last guy leaving and nobody's there. It's just me and the lights are all off and I'm making my way to the door. And I just get that creepy feeling like, Oh, I don't want to be here all by myself. (laughs) I, I don't know. Maybe I saw the movie stigmata and that kind of messed with my mind a little bit, but in any case, it was a fun night last night and I got home and it was freezing, literally freezing here in Florida. I want to make an announcement that I'm going to be launching this in the next couple of weeks, a brand new writing class. And it's James L. Paris, me teaching writing. And it's not just going to be all about grammar and all of that kind of thing. I'm going to get into some of that. But it's going to be a lot about things like how to establish a career as a writer. If you're somebody that maybe has has thought about starting a blog or started, maybe you want to start writing articles and getting paid for them. Maybe you're someone that wants to write your life story. You want to just break into the world of writing. And there's so much that I have to share, so many shortcuts and insider secrets. I've been published by five different publishers, but now I'm doing only self-publishing. Because there's there there are reasons for it, and I, I'll get into that in the class. But I also want to talk about some of the shortcuts. If you're not great at writing, there are some really interesting tools now that you can use that will actually not just spell check what you're doing, but it will also check for grammar. It will check for passive tense, a lot of things like that. And people don't know these tools exist, and some of them are free Others are very inexpensive to purchase like a one-year subscription to. So it's going to be kind of the go behind the scenes with Jim Paris 
and learn about all the different ways to make money writing and also how to write. And I've got a lot of strong opinions about how to write and my writing style, which people love is a very simple writing style. I like to model my writing style after Ernest Hemingway, which means you get rid of all the extra words you don't need. You don't need a lot of flowery language, especially when you're writing nonfiction, which is my specialty. So look for some information on that coming soon. If you want to be among the first to be invited, send me an email to jim at christianmoney.com and just put in the subject line writing class. This will be taught totally online. And what will happen is you'll get a password. You'll be able to log in and watch uh, any of the you know prior classes on replay. Or you can be a part of them live. Some of them will be live over Zoom, and that'll give you a chance to be able to uh, jump in and ask your questions. Well, they're calling it the blizzard of 2022, and it's not over yet. More snow is coming over the next several days. Uh, a record was set in Boston uh, one of the biggest snow days ever in Boston, Massachusetts. And this is really hitting all the way up uh, the East Coast and more snow is coming. Uh, we have a word as we go to air tonight of literally thousands and thousands of flights that are canceled. And don't make the mistake of assuming that your flight is not affected because you're, I don't know, you're in Florida or you're in Texas or you're listening in California. Uh, look, if, if the plane that you are supposed to be on is stuck somewhere in the Northeast, even if your flight is going to originate out of Dallas or out of Minneapolis, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Uh, so check your flights. We also know that tens of thousands of people are without power tonight, which is really scary. But, you know, people in that part of the country are prepared for this. Most of them have electric heat. But they also have, as a secondary source of heat, oil and gas. So they can get heat even without their power. Um, that's possible. And most of them have fireplaces, which is another backup of a backup. And most of them have space heaters, which is another backup of a backup. So they are prepared for this in most cases. Really, the tragedy uh, in a lot of these cases when people lose power is they go to the backup, to the space heater and they're not following the proper protocols and they end up uh, using a space heater that's made only to be used outside things like that or they're not carefully setting it up they fall asleep and a fire starts so a lot of deaths happen from that here in florida for example when we have a hurricane that comes through town a lot of times you have more injuries and even deaths from things that happen after the hurricane has left this would be people walking around uh, and, and trees are now loose because of all the rain and the wind and a tree will fall. This is maybe a day after two days after a hurricane. Uh, people will be out with a chainsaw and they'll end up, you know, cutting themselves with a chainsaw, bleeding to death or losing a limb. Many times uh, they will try to remove a live power line. And I don't need to tell you what happens there. So sometimes the tragedies are not as directly related to the event as they are to things that happen uh, sort of tangentially. Uh, so I posted this question online and I'm getting a lot of, a lot of really positive response to this. And I, you know, 
I thought uh, maybe it wouldn't be the case, but I just posted this question and, and I posted several questions this week. So just to give you an idea, this is probably the one that I've gotten the most response to, which is, is online dating a legitimate way to meet new people? Did you meet your significant other this way? And I posted that question and I thought, you know, especially among, you know, most of the people that follow me are Christians. I thought probably I would get at least maybe a 50, 50 split, but not so uh, probably 80% or more say yes. Online dating is a totally legitimate way to meet people. And so many people posted stories that that's how they met their significant other. Uh, many of, uh, them posted that's how they met their spouse that they're married to now. So this is kind of something new for me because um, this wasn't around back in the day when I was, you know, single man and I was I was dating. And now I'm, you know, it, looking at my life right now and, and wondering where I go next. A lot of you know that I'm separated right now and, and not certain of my future. And so looking at online dating as a possibility, it, it still seems a little bit odd to me, but I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. All right. We move ahead here. The big news this week, getting into some harder news here is, uh, there's a hundred thousand Russian troops that are amassing on the border of Ukraine. Now, for those of you that don't know your history, Ukraine was one of the states in the old Soviet Union. So it was at one time part of the Soviet Union. Now it's its own separate independent country, democratic country that is um, really a strong ally of the United States in the region. So what we have shaping up is 100,000 Russian troops are are now positioned on the border with Ukraine. And everyone is expecting that Putin is going to invade. We've removed all of our uh, key employees from the embassy, from the U.S. embassy. Uh, we also have the president of Ukraine pretty much warning his people that this is about to happen. And then over the last couple of days, our government started putting in place some sanctions that would go against Russia. Uh, we're talking about very significant economic sanctions against Russia if they invade, but also Kind of unusual. It does happen, but it's not normal and it is unusual. But they are also going to be implementing some very strict and strident uh, sanctions against Vladimir Putin personally, which you don't see that too often where they go after someone personally, their personal bank accounts, their personal investment holdings. And that is uh, what they're planning to do. This has already passed through Congress. And now Putin is saying, what? I have no intention of invading Ukraine. And President Biden has ordered uh, an increase in troops to the region, to Eastern Europe, including putting the 82nd Airborne uh, from Fort Bragg. Uh, they have been put on alert and I believe are planning to uh, be repositioned to Eastern Europe. Uh, that's all happening as we go to air tonight. And I have to tell you, people always ask me, what are you reading now, Jim? What are what are your latest picks that you're reading? So I am thoroughly and I have to tell you, I'm loving this book just out of I'll tell you why I ended up with this book, because as most of you know, I've recently lost a lot of weight. It's it's right now going to be over 30 pounds shortly and six inches from my waist. 
So I got to the point recently where I looked at myself in the mirror. It kind of went in two stages. So the first stage was that I looked at myself in the mirror and I was so excited because my big fat belly was gone. And I'm like, wow, I'm not fat anymore. That was cool. And that was exciting. But then the next phase of that was, ah, I don't like how I look because even though I've lost weight, my skin is loose. I don't have any, I'm not toned up. I need to do something about that. So I started doing some weightlifting, uh, just went into planet fitness where I have a membership, just started, you know, randomly going around doing different weights. And then I thought I got to do something more serious. I've got to take this more seriously, this come up with a plan for my weightlifting. So I started looking into bodybuilding and weightlifting and looking into some books. And I started looking into Arnold Schwarzenegger's life. And then I, a number of people I was reading about his life recommended that you read his biography, which is called Total Recall, of course, named after one of his movies. And I initially got the book because I thought, oh, there's going to be a lot in here on weightlifting and bodybuilding, and that'll help me. But I also like biography, so I thought it'll be a good mixture of both. And it, and it turned out to be just that. There is a lot in there about bodybuilding and weightlifting. But his story is, I have to tell you, the story, the life story of Arnold Schwarzenegger has got to be the most incredible story that I have ever heard in my life. When you understand his upbringing and how poor he was and how he did not speak English, all of the challenges he went up against to end up in the United States as a multi, 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 multi millionaire movie star, Mr. Universe five times over. When when you see the problem is with biographies, if you don't read a biography or you don't understand the background of people you just see them at the pinnacle of success you don't really appreciate where they have come from and i knew that arnold schwarzenegger was from austria i knew that he came from a poor upbringing but that's generally all i knew i had no idea his story and it is so inspiring because when you understand the life of arnold schwarzenegger it really makes you think, man, if this guy could come from that from that poor upbringing, not even speaking a word of English, and end up over here in the United States with all that he's accomplished, including becoming governor of California, it's almost unthinkable that someone could do all of this. And when you read the book, and I'm about uh, two-thirds of the way through it, I'm, I'm almost sad that it's going to be over soon because I'm enjoying it so much. When you understand his mindset, and this is not a Tony Robbins sermon or anything like that, folks, because, you know, I'm not necessarily a big believer in in, in all of that. I, I believe in setting goals and, and doing reasonable planning and, and all that. I'm not big on New Year's resolutions, but, you know, positive thinking is a good thing. But Arnold Schwarzenegger makes it pretty simple. He says he decided to do these things. He decided he wanted to be a superstar bodybuilder. He decided he wanted to be a movie star. He decided he wanted to be in politics. He decided he wanted to get into business and he just worked and made a plan and worked his plan and kept focus on his goal. And he got to do those things. And I just love this book. So if you're looking for a book to read, uh, I'm listening to it on the audible, but I actually love the book so much that I bought the physical book which just came in the mail yesterday because it has so many pictures in it and uh, so many photos. And a, a lot of the stories in the book are about his friends growing up and different people. 
And it's just so great to see the photography that goes along with the stories. That's why I got a copy of the book. One person I would love to interview someday, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, my show's probably not big enough to get him on here, but I have had big people on before and I'm pretty tenacious. So that might be something I could do. I, I, I typically snag a big guest like that by writing a letter. And I think I, I know exactly, you know, what I would say in that letter to, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger to get him on this show. So that's something I'm going to work on and maybe I can get him to sign my book, but the book is called total recall. And if you're looking for kind of something inspirational going into the new year, I highly recommend it. And it's also available on audible Arnold Arnold's going to pump you up. Okay. So here's another question that I posted on Facebook this week. And again, I'm surprised. So here's another question. Uh, what do you think about cremation? Now, a lot of Christians don't believe in cremation. So I thought, because there's this idea that at the time of the return of Christ, when there is a ra the rapture, as it's called in scripture, when the dead in Christ, uh, they will be risen from the dead, according to scripture and, and their physical bodies will be raised from the dead. That is from scripture. So there is this idea that if you're cremated, that wouldn't be <laughs> possible, which I laugh when I say that only because I think if you can believe in the resurrection of the dead, if you can believe in that, but you can't get your wrap your brain around the idea of your ashes being restored, uh, but you can believe in resurrection of the dead. It, to me, that makes no sense. But there was for many decades. And, and you know, I, I don't I, I think this is recent because I have to tell you again, uh, probably a good two thirds or more of the people on my Facebook page said, yes, cremation makes sense. I personally want to be cremated. My, my wish is I have uh, told my family, I want to be cremated and I want my ashes to go on Malacompra beach into the ocean. And that's where my dog's ashes have gone. So when I have a dog that lives his life out and my dogs have lived long lives, 12 years, 14 years, they live long lives and I have them cremated and we have the family. We go down to Melacompra beach, which is about 10 minutes from here. We put the ashes into the ocean and we say a few words. That's all that I want for my final memorial. And I also said, you know, invite all my friends out to a restaurant, let them drink beer and tell stories. I think that would be cool also, but I do not want my funeral to be, uh, at a haunted mansion, <laughs> like I was talking about at the beginning of the show or, or a funeral home. I honestly, I think funeral homes are the creepiest places. I, they're just so stuffy and the furniture is just, I, it, the, every time I go into a funeral home, they have that ornate furniture, which is the same furniture that my mother covered in plastic when I grew up in Chicago. And we were told you cannot sit on that furniture. And God forbid the plastic was off and you sat on it. That was, I mean, there were, you were in huge trouble if you sat on it with the plastic, not to mention if you sat on it and the plastic covering was off. Can you imagine why would anybody buy furniture that would be wrapped, literally wrapped in plastic because they wanted to preserve it and you couldn't sit on it without sticking to it. That's what we did growing up. Our, our furniture in our main living room was covered in plastic like that. That's what I think of when I go to these funeral homes. I do not want to be 
uh, remembered in a funeral home. I don't want that. Um, if, if anybody wants to do anything elaborate for me, I'd love to have one of those uh, New Orleans-style jazz funerals where they uh, you know, take my urn down the, down the street that I live on and get a, a few uh, musicians together and play when the saints go marching in. <laughs> that would be a cool way to be remembered, right? To have something like that, but not a funeral home. So the reason I'm mentioning this also is I'm working on an article and this is going to be posted by Wednesday morning. And it's all about how to save money on a funeral. And I'm going to talk about cremation and burial and caskets and all of that. I'll give you just one little uh, tidbit here, <laughs> which is really weird. But did you know, this is from the Keepers of Odd Knowledge Society, okay? Did you know that you can actually buy a casket through Sam's Club or Costco? Yes. And did you know that you're in, in every state? I think it's every state. I know it's the case here in Florida that the funeral home cannot require you to buy the casket from them. So you literally can go down to Sam's Club and you can get, you know, one of those, you know, big cases of yogurt, you know, 100, 100 little cups of yogurt. All right. And then also you can get a casket. So there you go. Um, and if they don't have one in the store, you can have one, you know, through their website and you can get a really good deal on a casket through Sam's Club or Costco if you're going to be buried. But there are these memorial societies that you can join and they're not expensive. They're like one time uh, costs and it's under a hundred bucks to join a memorial society. And when you do that, you tap into all of these really discounted services, discounts on cremation, on burial uh, plots, on caskets, all of that. So this is going to be in a big article that will be posted on Wednesday at my blog, blog.christianmoney.com. All right. New York City has gone to the dogs, literally. Um, here we go. You know, Rudolph Giuliani cleaned up New York City, and it used to be a very horrible crime infested city. It was cleaned up in particular. Times square was filled with prostitutes and all kinds of different sex clubs and peep shows. It was a horrible, dirty place. And then it was cleaned up by Giuliani and people on both sides of the aisle, Republican and Democrat loved Rudolph Giuliani until this, you know, the recent, uh, association with Trump. Uh, before that, uh, Giuliani was pretty much loved on both sides. But uh, this story just coming in before we go live to air, Rite Aid, uh, the drugstore chain, Rite Aid has closed its Times Square location, get this, due to $200,000 in losses from shoplifting. Wow. 200000 And this is happening in San Francisco. It's happening in a lot of uh, major cities. And what the tragedy is, people that live in these urban areas, they need access to be able to buy food and to get their prescription medications. And, and a little store like a Rite Aid is a place somebody can go in and they can get a gallon of milk. They can go in and get their prescriptions. They can go in and, and get a, a, a loaf of bread. It's not a grocery store, but there's access to some amount of food there. And also, you know, you have access to your prescription drugs and your over-the-counter drugs. And these places are, provi they provide a valuable service to that community. And uh, I mean, think about this. Uh, it's getting so bad in some cities 
like Chicago, where people that live in the city, they don't even own cars. They have to take buses to get out to the suburbs to be able to do their shopping. They call these food deserts. And this is what's happening because of the lack of enforcement of crime and shoplifting now in some areas like in San Francisco, it's been decriminalized basically. So if you shoplift for less than $700, they're not going to prosecute you. So bring your calculator and make sure the amount you steal is just under 700 bucks and uh, you're, you're golden. Just, you can come back later the same day and get some more stuff as long as you don't go over $700 on any one trip. And this, uh, and two New York nurses are accused of making $1.5 million off of fake COVID vaccination cards. Now I told you this, this summer I was sitting, uh, in a, in a restaurant in Ormond beach. I believe this was in July and they were talking about, uh, the requirement to have a vaccine card proof of vaccination to get into restaurants and bars in New York city. And it was in the news and I was sitting there listening to a couple at the next table and they were from New York and they were both laughing and laughing and laughing about how oh, New Yorkers, they're going to have six vaccination cards in their, in their wallet. The New Yorkers aren't going to do that. They're just going to come up with their own fake vaccination cards. Well, that this is exactly what happened. And it's two nurses that were, uh, are accused of this. Uh, and you can just Google this if you want to get all the details. Two New York nurses accused of pocketing $1.5 million off of fake COVID vaccine cards. All right, we'll take a one-minute break. We'll refire the open. Coming up next, the mystery of the Shroud of Turin. An expert on the Shroud of Turin, Joseph Marino, is here with us. We'll be uh, coming back here in one minute. Stand by. We'll be back. <laughs> 